This is the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast, presented by Massage Envy, the first podcast devoted entirely to Arkansas baseball. Featuring insight from Arkansas baseball color analyst Bubba Carpenter. Here's Matt Jones. Season rolls right along. We're getting ready for SEC play. It starts this weekend. Friday's game will be the SEC opener for the Razorbacks against Auburn at Baumwalker Stadium. We're recording this podcast before the Razorbacks play their Wednesday game against UNLV. They defeated UNLV on Tuesday night, 13-7, to the ninth consecutive win for the Razorbacks. They improved to 12-1 and during this long homestand. That's a, a month-long homestand. Uh, they've been really good at home this year. Matt Jones with Bubba Carpenter. And Bubba, let's talk about Louisiana Tech and the Razorbacks sweeping that series over the weekend. They outscored Tech 28-11 to over three games. Hitting was pretty good, uh, but pitching, I thought, was the, the, the story of the weekend. Obviously, Will McIntyre has the huge outing, a complete game, 97 pitches in game two, but also a five-inning start from Hagen Smith and a five-inning start from Hunter Holland. That's 19 innings that the Razorback starters uh, provided last weekend. And when you look at what's going on with the bullpen, you know, I know Will McIntyre's performance had a lot to do with that. If you can get 19 innings out of your starters, uh, that, that's really big for Arkansas, especially as they enter this week where they're having to play five games in a week for the first time this year. You're right. And you can see the, the pitching getting better. I mean, Hagan's gotten better. You know, Will was awesome. Hunter Holland, he only went five, but he could have gone he could have gone deeper into that game if they needed him to. They just got him out of there to get some guys out of the bullpen. But, yep. you know, you, you talk about those 19 innings. And, you know, so I, I don't know the way you view it, Matt. I, I view everything in, in outs. Okay, we got to get 27 outs tonight, mm-hmm. you know, to win this game. And then, so when you start to look at the starting pitching, and I think I, I think the way Dave's probably going to approach this is he's going to take it one day, one game at a time. Whoever it takes to get those first 27 outs on Friday, I think he's going to do that. Um, and then we go to Saturday and do the same thing. But, boy, if our starters can give us that many innings, you know, then you're just, you know, let's just say this weekend, starters went 19 innings. That leaves us eight innings that we've got to cover with our bullpen or translate it to 24 hours, 24 outs. And I like to look at the outs. So we've got to get 24 outs out of the bullpen. Now, with that being said, Will McIntyre is not going to go nine inning complete game (laughs) every weekend, but I think Hagen's going to go more than five. I think Hunter's going to go more than five. They're both Mm -hmm. elite. They've got elite stuff. So I think that 19, 20 inning mark is pretty easy to reach. I really do uh, with our starters, which is, which will be huge if we can get that out of them. And, you know, from there, you just kind of count down the outs and say, okay, what do I have to do to get this many outs tonight? And then look ahead to the next day when that comes and then go on from there. And so I really like where we're at, though. I I, I do. I, I love uh, I love our three starters. I think it's three different looks. And I think that's frustrating for hitters. I mean, and you and I talked about it last week, even though Hagen and and Hunter are both lefties that their their pitch plane into the zone is totally different one from the first base side of the rubber one from the third base side of the rubber so it's two completely different looks and you got you got will mcintyre right in the middle over the top pitching downhill so that's that's tough for uh that's tough for a, a lineup to to see those three different looks well you and i were talking about this at the ballpark the other day tell me from a hitter's perspective how much it, it messes with your eye level seeing those three different pitching styles over the course of three days? Well, it's different. I mean, you've you've got to adapt. And as a hitter, that's what makes hitting so hard. I mean, look, some guys have a little bit more, you know, upward, you know, launch angle in their swing. Some guys are flatter in the zone. Um, the key, the good hitters are the guys that can adapt to all those pitches, all those different arm slots. The key for hitting, Matt, is just it's getting on plane. The ability to get your barrel on plane early and work through the zone. And you see a lot of our guys up and down the lineup are able to do that. I, you know, Jace Borfin does a great job of it. You know, he hit a Friday night, he hit a home run uh, to ride on a fastball up and in from a tough lefty. Uh, that's a tough pitch. That's a tough thing to do. And then later in the game, he takes a pitch down and away and drives it to left center for a double. I mean, he's just got the ability to hit you know, the top of the zone and the bottom of the zone. And so I think it makes it harder for, for visiting teams coming in here to prepare for those three types of looks that they're going to get. And then not to mention some of the arms we got coming out of the bullpen. 
I talked to Matt Hobbs after McIntyre's game on Saturday. He gave me some great insight into just some of the changes that they had made. And, you know, we talked about this last week, that line drive that he took, it wasn't a straight line drive into his knee, but it was, it was one that was bounced pretty hard off the, off the grass and up into the inner part of his knee, uh, his, his left knee the week before against Wright state. And you've heard Dave Van Horn probably talk about this in press conferences. He said that when he threw his three warm-up pitches, they thought it was the three best pitches that he had thrown all game. And so when, McIntyre and Hobbs get together on Sunday morning after that Wright State game. You know, Will asked them, hey, could you take a look at the video and see if maybe after that uh, line drive hit my leg, was my knee going up as high? Uh, you know, obviously it was, it was hard for him to get that knee up because it was in pain. And, you know, it was very subtle difference, but the knee was not coming up as high. And they worked on that during the week in his bullpen session. They thought that the Bullpen that he threw during the week was really good. They thought the pregame bullpen was as good as he's ever thrown since he's been at Arkansas. And then he goes out and just shuts down a, a, a pretty good Louisiana Tech lineup for nine innings. Uh, like we said, 97 pitches, six strikeouts, three hits, one walk. I don't know that he went to a three-ball count before he walked that batter in the ninth inning. Maybe he went to one other three-ball count during the game, Bubba. It was as, you know, people get so enamored by strikeouts. You like what Paul Skeens is doing at LSU right now. He's got 48 strikeouts through four games. But, you know, to me, what McIntyre did the other day was equally as dominant against Louisiana Tech. And, and maybe it's a, an underappreciated style of pitching uh, because you don't get those eye-popping strikeout numbers. But anytime you can shut down a lineup now at 97 pitches, uh, I, I just thought it was an incredible, incredible performance. One of the best I've seen in, in quite a while. Well, I I agree, Matt, and I'll tell you, you know, everyone loves the strike. It's just like everyone loves the home run, but you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you like that that O two line drive to left center that the guy keeps his nose on and drives it that way. You know, I I love the one pitch out. You know, I really do. The art of getting that one pitch out. You know, you know who your first pitch swingers are. You know who the aggressive guys are. Those guys are so easy as a pitcher. I don't care what level you are. I think first pitch swingers are first pitch swingers. Um, Rock Riggio, for instance, last year, I mean, first pitch swinger. You throw him something over the plate, first pitch, he's hacking at it. Those guys are easy outs because good hitting is good time and good pitching is messing up that time. And that's what Will did on Saturday. He took an aggressive lineup and he was able to to make them think they're swinging at their pitch. But by the time it gets to the plate, it's got just a little bit of cut on it, a little bit of sink. Um, it's swinging. They're swinging at Will's pitch and they're just missing the barrel. And I think it's awesome. Um when you get guys that can do that. Now, Will did fall behind a few batters 2-0 and still threw strikes, but they were pitches that at the right at the end, they had just enough movement to miss the barrel, and that's that's pitching right there. Um, and when you talk about the mechanical side of it, so after the game, I interviewed Will. I interviewed Will, and I thought that those – when he finished up, I mean, you could tell from the booth, he, he was different after he got hit. And I thought it, it was part of that, er, just that anger and adrenaline from getting hit, because I still remember DVH talking about him being mean when he gets on the mound. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the mean Will McIntyre until after he got hit, but he even, he even said something. He said, look, they said my spin rate was better. Um, they said I had more bite on the, the, the uh, cutter. Mm -hmm. He said, everything was different. He said, so I'm going to go back and talk to, to Matt Hobbs and the guys and figure out what, happen and so i read your article i think it's awesome by the way when you talk to matt hobbs about pitching and pitching mechanics it can make your head spin can it <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can you know he's so, and he's so good at articulating all yeah. of these different uh just all these different things that that he talks about it's he he's one of my favorite people uh to interview i was told that uh, mcintyre after uh the eighth inning against tech the other day you know it was a little bit of a cooler day and so he went back in that tunnel behind the dugout and Matt Hobbs came back to tell him, said, Hey, good game today, Will. And Will looked at him and said, nah, I'm going back out for the night. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think Hobbs was joking with him. I, I don't, I don't think there was any, any doubt that he was going to be going out for that ninth inning. And, you know, we talked about the bullpen and just all the concerns they've had with the injuries and whatnot. And I mean, think about how it's amazing how one or two really strong performances can change the entire 
uh, perception of a weekend. I mean, you go out a Friday, maybe a little bit worried about the bullpen because Dylan Carter has, has been the workhorse and, and he and Cody Adcock had to throw on Friday. So you wonder how many more pitches do these have guys left or, or these guys have left in them. And then the next thing you know, you don't need your bullpen for 14 more innings. And like you said, Hunter Holland easily could have gone another inning or two. He'd only thrown 77 pitches. They basically had to take him out because they had such a healthy lead and, and you've got to get some work for some of these other guys in the final tune-up before SEC play. Yeah, you're right. That's a good problem to have, right? Having to take your Sunday guy out a little early so guys mm-hmm. can get some work. I mean, that's that's you couldn't you couldn't write that any better. So hopefully, hopefully that'll carry over to this weekend. But you know, I just think it's it's amazing. You know, back on Matt Hobbs, the thing I love about him is look, you can talk to all these pitching gurus around the country and they're gonna wow you with all these big fancy words and terms and all this stuff. <laughs> Matt Hobbs can explain pitching to you in just layman terms that just your everyday person can understand. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. Now, if he wanted to, he could wow you with all the big fancy words and phrases and all that, but he's, he, he doesn't care. He just wants to explain it to you and he's just awesome to talk to. But, you know, you talk about the the pitching mechanics and it's to me, um, yeah, I I talk hitting. I talk. I, I love baseball because there's so many things that the body can do. You know, if if you tell it to do it, it's going to do it. Uh, the body responds to the mind, and so when it comes to Will McIntyre and the mechanics of what he did, that little adjustment, I think it's awesome. Now, a lot of guys wouldn't see that, even though they've got all the technology in the world. A lot of guys would overlook something that simple as just, oh, your legs coming a little bit too high. It's not a, enabling you to get out front. You know, when you talk mechanics, you talk, you know, you you hear kinetic chain all the time. It doesn't take much to mess that up. Just just the mechanic of the way the body's supposed to work, whether you're talking hitting or pitching, one frame can change a a delivery. Uh, One frame can change a swing. And that's why I love you know, the ability to, to teach hitting, pitching, what, whatever, you know, not just the mental side of it, but, the, you know, the, the mental side is what is, separates most players. But the physical side, just those little mechanical tweaks, I think uh-huh. it's awesome how one frame can change a guy and change his pitch or change his swing. And so, anyway, so I kind of got – I kind of got <laughs> – but I love talking about it. I do. Yeah. I can talk about hitting pitching mechanics all day. I love it. And uh, I love to see when a guy can figure something out like that and go out and execute it on the mound. I think it's awesome. But my favorite quote that Hobbs gave me after talking to him last week was – he said pitching is weird it's just a series of timing mechanisms and just you know the slightest alteration to that timing yeah you know, can be the difference between maybe the Will McIntyre that we saw for the first week or so two weeks of the season and the Will McIntyre that we saw the other day you're right well see he explained it in in about eight words it took me five <laughs> minutes to spit the same thing out so that just goes to show you the, that's why Hobbs makes the big bucks right there but but he's right man it's it it doesn't take much to throw that timing off mm. so I, I don't know I was just super impressed with the whole the way that whole thing played out I think it's just it goes right in line with everything that's happened with Will McIntyre from him going into Dave and 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 Matt last year and saying hey give me the ball I'll get yeah. it done for you you know it, it just I don't know I just love it were you impressed with Louisiana Tech? Okay, no, because Lane Burroughs. I, I, I talked to him after the game, and he said he said we're not a very good team right now. Uh, didn't didn't sound like he liked the way that his team looked over the weekend. No, I didn't, and I, I even I, I kind of talked about it a little bit on the air during the broadcast, and you know I don't want to throw him under the bus. I like Lane Burroughs. He seems like I like the way he coaches. I like the way his players play. But to me, it wasn't a very disciplined team um, at the plate. They just didn't seem disciplined. I saw a lot of um, w- when you're playing when you're playing them, you, you Louisiana Tech. You always feel like that they've got hitters up and down the lineup that have a good plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if it was just that our pitchers were 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 that good or the hitters were just that bad. I just see a lot of I saw a lot of advantage count swings that you typically don't see out of Louisiana tech. And so, no, I, I was not impressed with them. I really wasn't impressed with their pitching staff either. I was expecting a little bit more from them, but on the hitting side, that's one thing that I've always known them for is their, their swings. And I just saw some tired swings at the plate and some, and so honestly, some bad approaches. He said after the series that he said, we got one player who's ready to come to the ballpark every day right now. And that was the freshman who made his debut on Friday, uh, Carson Evans, 
who ended up with uh, multiple extra base hits, had a couple of home runs, I think, during the series. Uh, you know, and, and even pitching wise, you know, I thought we were going to see a, a better pitcher on Friday night in Jonathan Fincher, the left-hander, a, a preseason All-American, preseason Conference USA Pitcher of the Year. And that's two straight weeks now where Arkansas thought they were going to get this, you know, really good pitcher, uh, really good left-hander. It was the same way with Sebastian Gungora of, of Wright State the week before. And they didn't get the best version of that pitcher. Gungora, of course, got hurt after the first inning. Fincher just didn't have good stuff after the first inning. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what, what things are going to look like when they see Auburn's pitching, which is always really good this weekend. Well, I think part of that, I mean, you know, Fincher didn't have a very good day, but I think you trib- contribute part of that to, or a whole lot of that to the Razorback hitters. Mm-hmm. Look, it's frustrating for a pitcher. If they're, if they throw their best slider, their best changeup, and a hitter just spits on it, it's frustrating. They're like, wow, I just made my best pitch. And he didn't even he didn't even offer at it or a pitch on the black that they fight off and then eventually get a pitch and drive it. Or even when they make a good pitch and a guy is able to stay on it and drive it the other way. I think that's frustrating for pitchers. Then they start trying to make the perfect pitch. And, you know, then, you know, what happens from there? They they, they start getting lit up. And so I really mm-hmm. think our hit our lineup up and down did a great job against Fincher and had him. I really had him frustrated. When you're in the dugout and you see a team have these multi-home run innings like Arkansas had against Tech, you know, they had two home runs in the second inning Friday, two home runs in the second inning Saturday, and two home runs in the third inning on Sunday. How, how I wonder from, from both sides, if you are in the dugout of the team hitting the home run, I have to feel like that's a, a huge, uh, <laughs> what would you call it, you know, just boost in morale. But uh, you know, from from the tech perspective, I have to feel like that's just uh, real demoralizing what the Razorbacks were doing to them early in those games. Well, from the offense perspective, when you when you're the team that's hitting the home runs, you're fighting at the bat rack, Matt. You can't wait to get a bat in your hand. Everyone wants to be up at the plate, and they want to, they want to be the guy up there getting it done. On the flip side of it, when your other team, man, it's demoralizing because you feel like your pitchers are out there making good pitches and they're still getting lit up. And so, you know, it can be a little bit demoralized, especially when you talk about all the two out runs, two out, two strike runs that we've scored this year. I mean, those are those are daggers to another team. I mean, it, it's uh, it's tough for that pitcher. Yeah, I think there were seven two out runs on Sunday against Tech. They had six more last night against UNLV. That's one of those stats that I'm keeping track of. It's 54 now for Arkansas through 16 games. That's right at about three and a half, two out runs per game. I feel like if you're a team and you can get three to four, two out runs per game, you got a pretty good chance of winning your games. And then, and that's probably one of the reasons that we see a 14 and two record right now. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, not only are you scoring the runs, but you're, you're, you're extending that pitcher. You're making him work harder mm. and you're getting his pitch count up. And that's what these guys have been so great at doing. You know, I actually talked to uh, uh, Nate Thompson a little bit after the game um, last night and just, you know, we were talking about the, the team's, the lineup's ability to work the count to lay off the pitcher's pitch and get hitter's pitches and then put a good swing on them or fight that pitcher's pitch off until you get a good hitter's pitch. And it's, it's been really impressive. And, and, and the thing is, is, you know, they've done it with a group of guys that, you know, they've just kind of thrown a whole new group of guys together and they've taught them Razorback baseball, or they've got them to buy into Razorback baseball. Let's just say that mm-hmm. up and down the lineup. And I think that's really impressive that this staff was able to do it because, you know, I say throw a bunch of guys together. There's just so many new players. It's not like we have a bunch of guys that know the system. Mm-hmm. And I think it's impressive that they're able to do that this quick and get them to buy into the process. And it's, it's paying off. Arkansas walked 12 times in game three of that Louisiana tech series uh, including uh, uh, several times in a row during that big nine run inning uh, where they took command. Have you ever seen a pitcher uh, like what was it Landon Tompkins for Louisiana tech? He threw 20 of 23 pitches for balls. I don't know that I've ever seen that at, at any level of baseball where a pitcher just had that much trouble throwing the ball over the plate. 
No. Um, even with, even with our little nine-year-olds, <laughs> if you're, if you're that wild, you're out of there. And it's not like he was missing. There's a difference in just missing barely. And I mean, uh-huh. this dude was all over the place. He wasn't even close. I was surprised they left him out there that long, but you know, I, I guess he's, he's one of their guys. He is. I mean, good. he had a, he had a 0.71 ERA and a 0.95 whip coming into that game. And so you don't, ex- you, you expect, I think at some point for him to, turn it around. And there's probably something I think to be said for the fact that, you know, they thought, okay, he's going to work through this. He's one of our guys. And it took him a while to get somebody warmed up in the bullpen. And, you know, they're, they're with this pitch clock and, you know, you can't really do stall tactics anymore. I feel like that worked against him. Oh, I think so. Now I think part of that is, is our lineup scaring him out of the zone. Honestly, I really do. I think you get out there and, and, and guys are trying to make the perfect pitch and that never happens. And I, I don't know, I don't know what's in his head, but to me, I think a lot of that is just our lineup, just kind of scaring him out of the zone. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Jared Wegner had five walks in that final game of the tech series that tied a school record uh, had been set two other times in 1985 by Jim Kramers and in 2006 by uh, Jake Duggar. What do you think when you see a guy drawing five walks? I think it's impressive. Here's here's what's the most impressive about that is he in in he was one for one with five walks. He he took two swings the whole night. One was a foul ball. One was a home run to center field. That's and so I actually interviewed uh, Jared after the game, and I I told him that, and I said, hey, that's Barry Bonds like stuff right there to go a whole game and get two swings, one's a foul ball, one's a home run, and you get five walks. It's pretty impressive, but it says a lot about his plate discipline. And to be honest with you, he was taking some pitches just off the plate. It's, I mean, they weren't like non-competitive at bats. They were they were at bats where guys were just like maybe a 2-1 slider just off the plate. A lot of hitters would go ahead and chase that pitch. You know, mm-hmm. he just spits on it. And I think that's what made it the most impressive. We'll talk more about the Razorbacks uh, series with Louisiana Tech, also uh, the upcoming series with Auburn here in just a moment. I want to give you a reminder that the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast is sponsored by Massage Envy, voted the best day spa and best massage in all of Northwest Arkansas. You can visit Mike and his staff in Tuscany Square at 2603 West Pleasant Grove Road in Rogers or in Fayetteville at 3557 North Shiloh Drive. Massage Envy has services for everyone MassageEnvy.com. Massage Envy with clinics in Rogers and Fayetteville has been awarded Northwest Arkansas's best day spa and best massage. One of the reasons is our care for athletes, both serious and recreational. We now offer rapid tension relief sessions using a high caliber vibrating tool and total body stretch sessions like the ones used by the PGA. Both of these new services can be combined with the always popular deep muscle treatment. So whether you compete or just want to relax, there is no place better than Massage Envy. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. Com. With almost 30 years in business, a Teague Law Firm can help with most family law and criminal law issues. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. Take a quick trip around the SEC as conference play begins this week. Arkansas-Auburn, one of several big series. We'll talk about some of those here in just a minute. But Bubba, I think the big story in the SEC this week is the story that uh, broke maybe Tuesday. And it's that the SEC has decided on its uh, scheduling format for 2025 and beyond after Texas and OU joined the league. And I was a little surprised by this. The way it's going to work is that each team is going to have two permanent opponents, you know, so you're going to, let's say Arkansas, and um, this is totally hypothetical, but let's say Arkansas is given LSU and Ole Miss, you'll play, you know, at their ballpark or your ballpark every year. And then you're going to have the other eight series out of uh, 10 SEC series that year are going to rotate between the other however many, what, 13 teams that are in the SEC. Uh, I, I was thinking that it might be a little bit more of a of a balanced schedule 
like right now they're they're floating around at football this three six six model where you got three permanent opponents then you rotate six teams one year six teams the other I thought you might see something like five 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 in baseball uh what, what are your thoughts on this and maybe the it feels like maybe there's a little bit of a scheduling imbalance there uh, I feel like maybe it cheapens the SEC regular season champion just a little bit because of of the way the the schedules are going to be different from one team to the next. I, I think you're right. It's going to make it, you know, you're going to have some years where it's, there's not an easy weekend in SEC, but obviously there's easier weekends than others. Uh -huh. So I think you're right. There's going to be some times where, you know, a team's going to have the easy side of that schedule and it's, it's going to make it tough on another team that, that just so happens has the every weekend they're playing the top team. And, and so I think that's going to make it kind of tough, but I think it's, I like the fact that, you know, we're going to have two teams that we're going to play every year, as long as it's the, the two right teams. If it ends up being like Missouri and, you know, Kentucky, I mean, that's going to suck and it's going to, but I don't think it will. I mean, I would love to see, you know, Texas, and Ole Miss, you know, I, I can't yeah. stand Ole Miss. I hate watching Ole Miss play, but I love beating them or, or, or Texas and, and LSU. I'd be happy with that too. But um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to just who we end up playing, but well, I really want Texas to be one of those teams. See, I, I have a hard time believing that Texas was going to be one of them though, with, with the two permanent opponents. Don't you think the SEC will give Texas, uh, Oklahoma and A&M over yeah. Texas and Arkansas? It depends on who makes that decision. Um, we've been a rivalry with Texas, way going all the way back. But people, don't, people these days don't know how serious that rivalry was in baseball back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, Matt. Unfortunately, I think you're right, though. I think you know. I think the people that make those decisions, I think it'd be easy for them to say, "Okay, OU and A and M." is going to play Texas every year, but uh, who knows? I mean, sometimes I get a little frustrated with, with who makes those decisions and, and the thought process that goes into it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. The, the way I look at it, I, you know, and I've not spent a whole lot of time on this. Let's say Texas is off the board. The other opponents that I think would be really intriguing playing on a year in and year out basis are uh, A&M, long history there with the Aggies. You played in some of those great games in the late eighties yeah. and, and early nineties, uh, Ole Miss, obviously that's a, a great series. Uh, LSU is going to be one that I think a lot of teams would, would love to be able to claim. Uh, and I think Oklahoma is, is an interesting one for Arkansas. There's a little bit of a history there. Obviously it's the closest campus in proximity. You mentioned Missouri uh, and, and you mentioned Kentucky too, but, but Missouri in particular, you know, there's the proximity there. There's this forced, rivalry deal that they've got in football uh you know i'm a little afraid that it might be missouri but i wonder from this perspective bubba missouri's one of the worst teams in the sec year in and year out if not the worst is there some benefit to playing the worst team and knowing that you've got maybe a little bit of an easier schedule built in than other teams do Absolutely. And unfortunately, that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you're DVH and his staff, they look at it that way. They're like, yeah, give us give us Missouri. You know, I mean, they got the worst facility in the in the conference. Yeah, the downside that, is you have to play there every other year. <laughs> you're right. But I mean, you look at that and that's I don't want to say it's an easy series win. But I mean, yeah, if I'm bet if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm going to say we're going to go in and win that series year in and year out you know, maybe even sweep them. Mm. So, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, but I guess I'm, I'm talking, I guess I'm looking at more from a fan perspective and selfishly what I would like to see, but for the, for the good of the team. Yeah. If Missouri's one of those, I think that's really good for Razorback baseball. We'll see how it works out. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a lot of things to figure out because uh, you're, uh, you know, you've, you've got a, you got to figure out the SEC tournament. There, there's a lot of things to figure out with this. I don't think there's any rush necessarily in, in uh, you know, having these final teams figured out. But it is fun for discussion, and, and we'll see how it happens for Arkansas. We mentioned that SEC play uh, begins this week, a lot of big series. Uh, probably the series of the week, Bubba. You got number three Ole Miss going to number eight Vanderbilt, some other series between ranked teams, uh, LSUs at Texas A&M. Alabama somehow is still in the rankings, even though they got clobbered by Columbia at home last weekend. 
lost that one like 15 to three in the rubber game. Uh, they go to Florida. Florida's hit about, uh, I think, 900 home runs so far this year, <laughs> uh, playing in that bandbox in Gainesville. Uh, Vincent Arkansas is going to host Auburn. Tennessee goes to Mizzou. South Carolina is at Georgia. And Mississippi State is at Kentucky. Any of those series stand out to you? Um, you know, I think they all do. They really do. Uh, I think the Ole Miss series will be good. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, Ole Miss Vandy, that's going to be, that'll be a good one. Um, I'm excited about seeing Auburn to be honest with you, but I think this is where it really gets fun, Matt. Cause you and I talk about all the time, this, all these games we just played, it's, it's really, I view it as almost spring training to get ready for SEC play because that's where, that's where it counts. And so, Man, I'm excited about this weekend, and I can't wait to get it going. Have you been paying attention to the Florida hitter Jacques Caglianoni? A little bit. Everyone keeps asking me about this guy, you know, about his exit velo and 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 all the home runs and all that. So I've been keeping up with him a little bit. Well, you know, like through the weekend, and I don't know what they've done in the the midweek this week, uh, but I've got his uh, weekend, you know, his his post weekend stats here. He was batting four sixteen. Uh, six doubles, a triple, 13 home runs, 30 RBI, slugging 1069, uh, OPS over 1,500. And then what's amazing to me, Bubba, is that he's pitching, too, on Sundays. He's 3-0 and with a 177 ERA, batting average against, like, 130. And on the days that he pitches, those are, like, his best hitting days, too. He's got five home runs on the days when he pitches. It's, it sounds a little bit Babe Ruthian, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's certainly different. I mean, you're talking, you know, what is it, the older root award that's given to the best two-way player in baseball? It may be him this year. It could be. Of course, it's early, though. you got to remember, no one started SEC play. So uh, yeah. oh. I think things change now. If we if we have this discussion here in about three weeks and he's still raking like that, then uh, then it'll be, uh, it'll be something to really look at. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's off to a great start. Gosh, you put those numbers up and, you know, you, you, you feast on those numbers uh, throughout the year, even a, even like a, a moderately successful SEC season probably wins him some awards or gets him some recognition at the end of the year. Uh, that's just uh, an, an incredible season that he's had. Uh, you know, Arkansas, we mentioned this, that they're playing some good teams, uh, you know, or, or teams that are supposed to be good in their conferences. Maybe that may be the better way to say it. Uh, you know, we talked about this the other day, Wright State and Army and Louisiana Tech, and they're playing UNLV right now. They're going to play SEMO next week. All those teams are projected uh, to win their conference. D doesn't it stand out to you a little bit, that type of schedule versus what we saw from some of the other SEC teams last week? I mean, you know, Auburn gets beat by Southeast Louisiana. Alabama, we mentioned, loses to Columbia. And then you had a lot of teams that were beating up on teams that just were you know, not not even anywhere near the same weight class. Like Tennessee was playing Moorhead State last week. It just doesn't, doesn't Arkansas schedule stand out to you a little bit relative oh, to the others. Shoot, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you look at the teams we've played, and you know, I I said Louisiana Tech. I was disappointed in them. I you know, there's talent there. They just need to put it all together. I mm -hmm. think they'll be okay. But you know, Wright State, I Wright State was good. I thought Army was was good. That team that was a veteran team. Uh, they were good. I mean, I think I think we've played. I think Dave's done a great job of putting the schedule together against good teams, and it's going to help us down the road when we start talking RPI late in the year. Because the teams that we've beat are going to go, and we're going to hear a lot about them later in the year. They're going to beat a lot of teams, and so I think it's going to help us down the road. Yeah, and certainly should help the RPI later on. Uh, like you said, they're they're going to beat teams in their conference, and they're going to probably have pretty good records uh, by the end of the year. James Teague has joined his father, Robert, at Teague Law Firm, which has been around nearly 30 years and was voted best of Northwest Arkansas in 2019 and 2021. James can help you with most family law matters, including divorce, custody, and child support. He can also help with criminal law, including felony and misdemeanor offenses. If you have an estate need, James at Teague Law Firm can fill your need there, too. Teague Law Firm is a full-service law firm where you'll talk to actual lawyers, they will call you back and give you their direct sell. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. That's 479-531-2785. Or visit them online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If we can't help you, we'll talk baseball. As a former Razorback pitcher, James Teague spent years closing innings. Now he's closing cases. With almost three decades in business, the Teague Law Firm can help with most family law issues and criminal law. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785 or visit them at teague-law.com. 
Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. We mentioned Arkansas is in the middle of a, a midweek series as we record this podcast. They'll play UNLV on Wednesday afternoon. We're recording this about four hours before game time. They beat UNLV 13-7 to on Tuesday night. And Bubba, once again, it's one of those midweek games where they get behind. Maybe not as behind as they have been in other midweek games and, and not as late in the game. Yeah, but still, they, they showed a little bit by coming back from a three-run rally or three-run deficit, rally from a three-run deficit. Well, you're right. And the thing is, is we weren't sure what we were going to get last night because they were off for a whole week. Their weekend series had gotten canceled, so their guys were all fresh. DVH knew coming in that, hey, they're we're going to see some of their conference starters tonight, you know, just to get them some work in. And I thought I thought we did a great job offensively. Um, you know, even fell behind. This team never panics. They just found a way to ch- chip away, score a few runs, and ended up winning it going away. But I thought, you know, I thought Parker Coyle did a pretty good job pitching. I thought, you know, once again, the pitching came through for us. You know, Dylan Carter came in and did a good job. Um, you know, Austin Ledbetter looked really good last night. Uh, Cody Adcock, uh, Gage Wood came in and finished out the game and looked good. So, I mean, it was it was a good game, you know, pretty much all the way around. And what I liked is that several new players got to get out there. You know, mm-hmm. you look at like a Harold Cole, you know, he gets out there and he's three for five, hits a home run and a couple of doubles, had some big at-bats for us. So, I, I love to see stuff like that. I love to see you know, because we started the game, I said on the air, it's almost like a split squad game in spring training where you see half the starters out there. Hmm. And but it was uh, it was good to see those guys get some work in and get some action and and come through and get a big win. A lot of two out runs in the game. They had six two out runs. And we talked about this a minute ago, uh, but there were five two out runs during that fourth inning rally where they go from being down four to two to up seven to four. And I thought the, I mean, obviously the the big play in the whole inning is Kendall Diggs beating a pitcher to the bag on a little dribbler to the right of the first baseman, and that allowed a run to come home. And then all of a sudden, Jared Wagner gets a home or gets a, a single with an RBI, and Jace Borfin gets a single with an RBI. Reese Arbonette gets a uh, Robinette gets a, a two run hit in there. You know, it's uh, just just amazing how you know that one little play, Kendall Diggs beating out a a, a pitcher by a step to the bag can be the turning point in a baseball game. Well, and and what I thought was was funny about it is that pitcher that got beat to the mound or beat to first base, he his body language on the mound was terrible. He thought he had gotten a strikeout a couple couple batters before and I tell you what, he went from looking really good to all of a sudden his body language changed and and he started to struggle a little bit and he just, you know, he, he should, he, you got to get over and cover first. Now he's a, he's a, he's a left-handed pitcher falling off to the third base side, but yeah, mm-hmm. Kendall hustling down the line. I mean, out of the box. I mean, that was huge. And, and you're right. That started that whole, you know, it enabled that whole inning to happen. So it's uh it's just another, an, another sign of Razorback baseball, but you know, something that I like, Matt, it's, it's the little things in a game. And once again, this is why baseball is so freaking awesome is so you go to the, you go to the sixth inning and you go, I think it was in the sixth inning last night. Um, you've got a, um, Kendall Diggs leads off with a double to left center. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, I want to say it was a seven, five game. So it was in the sixth inning. It was a seven, five game. Kendall Diggs leads off. Uh, with it, he hit an 0-2 changeup, a great piece of hit, and drove it to left center. Gets on second base, and Jared Wagner's up next. And I told Phil, I said, "Hey, I'll beat, I'll bet you a honey stinger that he gets he gets that runner over to third, either drives him in or gets him over." And Jared Wagner hit a ground ball to second, and and moved the runner over to third, moved Kendall over to third. Well, the infield comes in, and Jace Borfin hits a line drive by the first baseman. So if if Jared doesn't move the runner over the infield steal back, that line drive by Borfin gets caught by the first baseman, you know, mm-hmm. so it's little things like that that can change the course of a game. Now, you know, you can say, okay, do I want, 
my best hitter at the time or one of my best hitters to sacrifice himself and hit a ground ball to the right side and move the runner. Do I want him to just, he didn't really give himself up, but he took a fastball inner third, got his hands inside and hit it, hit it up the middle to move the runner over. It was a four, three, but those are the unselfish at bats that, that you see up and down this lineup. And that's why they're so hard to get out is they just, they, they work as a team, as a unit. And I, I think it's awesome. They just, they win pitches, they win at bats and uh, they score runs. It's a beautiful thing. I haven't had a honey stinger yet. You know what? They're pretty good. And there's just something about it. I, I don't know. Before that inning, I had a honey stinger and it seems like every time I eat one, we score runs. So I'm going to weigh about 400 pounds by the time this season's over, but they're, yeah, they're pretty good. Like, like, like what's it taste like? I don't know. It's like a honey. It's like a wafer thing. Okay. It's, it's uh it's all right. It's messy. You better put a bib on. You <laughs> it got like a little buzz to it, a little bite. It's like crumbly. Okay. So, but it's uh it's good. And you know what? As long as it gets Razorback runs, I'll keep eating them. No, I was just curious where the stinger part came from. I don't know. No, I didn't have that. It's there's <laughs> nothing like that to it. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had one. I, I see them all over the place. And <laughs> I, this is the second time one. you've mentioned them. Second second time I, you've mentioned them this year. I'll get you one. All right. We'll we'll see what you think. When we start to struggle, you can uh you can you can open one up and we'll start a rally maybe. But you know, it's just that whole unselfish mentality. And so when I when I look at at a lineup, we talk about when you're on the opposite side of it, you're counting outs. Well, I do the same thing from a hitting perspective. Is I I look at my lineup and like when is my lineup going to roll over? You know, how many outs do I have? I want this lineup mm-hmm. to roll over again. I look at it from an offensive perspective the same way and I just just love how this team's able to maneuver through there and 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 find a way to score runs i wrote something the other day bubba and it, it's just it's continued and it's been the success of the five hole and it's it's fascinating to me that it doesn't matter who you put in the five hole this year they've been really good jace borfin's been the five hole hitter for most of the year but of course you know jared wagner by the way are you having trouble saying wagner after we said wagner for so long you came back and told everybody, hey, you, you, you pronounced my last name Wagner. Nope. It's been easy. You know why? Because <laughs> now when I spell it, I spell it W-A-G. <laughs> I took the E I out. I don't have I, that I luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. Uh, in my scorebook, everything I write, and I actually told Jared that the other night after the game, and he just laughed. So, um, so yeah, I, it's, I, I officially changed the spelling. <laughs> well, that's good. But, you know, I mean, he was in the five hole early in the year, those first two games against Texas and TCU. He's the SEC player of the week. Peyton Stovall had a couple of games where he hit in the five hole, went six for 10. Uh, Kendall Diggs had a couple of games where he hit there. They played Reese Robinette in the five hole uh, last night against UNLV. He got a hit. Uh, they take him out. They bring in Hunter Grimes. He goes two for two with a double and a triple. Uh, right now, I haven't updated all of these stats that I wrote on last week, but I, I did update this. The batting average for the five hole right now is 593, and it's an on base percentage of, of well over 600. You know, and as of two games ago, you're talking about 19 runs, 20 RBI, eight home runs, four doubles, five walks, uh, four times been hit by a pitch. Uh, the point being that this has been the best spot in the lineup for uh, the Razorbacks this year. And, you know, it's it's not always that way. You know, a lot of times you put your guy in the two hole or you put your guy in the three hole or maybe he's the cleanup hitter. Uh, the, the fact that it's coming from the five hole this year, maybe that speaks a little bit to what they're doing earlier in the lineup, but this has been really impressive and, and kind of uncanny how they've been able to push the right buttons with the five hole hitter this year uh, out of the five hole. They've had at least one hit and one run in all 16 of their games. And I think that's the only position in the lineup where you can say that. Well, I think I think it's a tribute to the guys hitting in front of them. I really do. They're they're doing their job and getting on base. So when that five hole guy comes up, it's a pressure situation. They're getting a chance to do those things, and and I, I just I attribute that, you know, to to what's going on above them. And I don't think it matters who you put in there, um, because our top four guys are really good. And so, you know, it's uh. I think it'll be interesting to see if that trend keeps up when, you know, when we get into SEC play. Well, it seems to me like it's going to be up to Borfin whether or not it, it keeps up. And and he's the team's hottest hitter right now, wouldn't you say? I mean, he's got the highest batting average, 442. 
but you know, it, I think it goes beyond batting average. You don't see him chasing a lot of pitches outside of the zone. And, you know, it seems like when that's the case, he's really locked in and ready for that one pitch that's over the plate. I think so. I think he's just a smart hitter. Um, he knows what his plan is when he goes up there. He's got a great approach. And more importantly, he sticks with it. You know, mm. he 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 and he he trusts his swing, you know, and he really just kind of takes what the pitcher gives him, to be honest with you. He doesn't try to do too much. If there's a situation, the thing I've noticed about Jace, if if there's a runner at first and less than two outs, mm-hmm. if a pitcher throws a fastball down outside of middle, down and away, that's a ground ball, double play ball, he doesn't swing at it, you know. Mm-hmm. And if he does swing at it, he gets he gets his barrel down on plane and drives it to left field. He won't pull that ball because he knows if he pulls it, he hits into a double play. I think he's just smart. He has a tendency to hunt the ball up in those situations and get balls that he can elevate into the outfield. And so I just think he's smart, but I think there's a bunch of hitters like that. I think Kendall Diggs is the same way, really smart at the plate and and knows what he's looking for, has an idea, and he kind of matches his strength up with what that pitcher's trying to do. And I think uh, I think they try to stay with their strength as long as possible, and it's, it's really paying off. Talk about Auburn for a minute. They come in this weekend, three-game series begins Friday, they were in the World Series last year. They were in the World Series in, in 2019 as well. You know, Butch Thompson has, has done such a, a great job turning things around there this year. You always expect them to have great pitching. You know, Thompson's a, a pitching coach. Uh, was really good at, at Mississippi State before he went over to Auburn. But it's it's been their hitters that have kind of stood out to me so far this year, Bubba. They got three guys – or four guys, I'm sorry, who are going to come into this series who are batting 429 or higher. Now, one of them's not an, an everyday player necessarily, Chris Stanfield, but uh, you got Ike Irish and Cole Foster and Bryson Ware. All of those players are batting between 435 and 465. Uh, Ware is one of the, the top players in the conference right now. Uh, you know, in terms of RBI, he's got 21 RBI. He's one of the home run leaders with uh, seven, got seven doubles as well. This is a lineup that I, I feel is easily going to be the best lineup that they've seen maybe since – or, or maybe it's the best lineup they've seen since Arlington. I don't know if it's better than, than maybe a, a team or two that they saw there, but it's definitely the best one they've seen in a while. It is, but once again, Matt, I, I hate to go back to this all the time, but they haven't seen Razorback pitching or SEC yeah. pitching. But you're right. I mean, those guys are are dudes, you can tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at their numbers. I mean, they haven't play, paid, been playing a bunch of chumps either. They played some pretty good competition. But those are still, if you're playing college baseball, those are good numbers. Huh? What surprised me about Auburn, though, when you start going through the numbers, their starting pitching hasn't been very good. Hmm. Um, they really haven't. And so, you know, I know they changed up their rotation a little bit. They they flip-flopped their Saturday-Sunday guy uh, last weekend. So I'll be interested to see what happens when they come into ball marker this weekend. We did see Joseph Gonzalez last year. You know, he didn't have his best outing against Arkansas, but uh, – yeah, he's been, uh, you know, good for them in the past. I'm not sure. Is is he hurt though? Have you heard that? Well, he he hasn't been one of their starters. Okay. So I'm he thinking, hasn't started the the last two weeks. He has not started. I think I think he got hurt early in the year, which might have it might have affected their bullpen. I probably should have looked that up, you know, before we started. Uh, but you know, you mentioned who they played. Uh, they they've started the year with Indiana, a, a decent Big Ten team. Uh, they played Southern Cal. Uh, that was a, a series that was supposed to be played in L.A. It got moved to Auburn because of of the 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 rains that they had there. And then last weekend, we mentioned this a minute ago. They lost to Southeastern Louisiana in Auburn, won the first game seven to one, and then lost eight to three and eight to seven. On Tuesday night, they played Georgia Tech. This game was at Auburn. They were down seven runs in the fifth inning, came back and won 12 to 11 in 12 innings. So I wonder from your perspective, which outcome should we be more focused on in terms of how Auburn is playing right now, losing to Southeastern Louisiana on the weekend or beating Georgia Tech in the midweek? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I think uh, if you look at their starting pitching the weekend against uh, mm. Southeast Louisiana, it wasn't very good. Uh, they didn't get very good outings out of their guys. But, um, you know, you look at last night, it, it says a lot about their offense, you know, the way they were able to come back from from that deficit. But, you know, you, you ask about Joseph Gonzalez. He's only thrown five innings this year. Yeah. He had one start. Um, so he hasn't been in there. But I'll tell you who's been really good. If you look at their starters, it's been a uh, uh, 
Tanner Bauman, uh, Crutchfield, and then uh, Heberholtz, I think is how you say that, has been their their weekend guys. But Tommy Vale has been their Tuesday night guy. I saw in, in the – I went back and checked the box score. Tommy Vale threw one inning last night. He started the game and only went one inning. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they move him into the starting rotation because his numbers are ridiculous. I mean, he's he's pitched 14 innings, given up two hits. Uh, he's got 18 strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 044 against him. Now he's been he's been their Tuesday guy, so mm-hmm. I would be surprised if they're going to bump him into the the weekend rotation. Now that's just speculation because mm-hmm. I don't know why else they would have only thrown him one inning last night. He threw one really good inning last night mm-hmm. to open up the game, and then they took him out. So so who knows when it comes to that? But uh, I have a feeling that there's we're going to get to see a lot of offense this weekend. Yeah, probably. It seems like these guys, when they get together, the there are some high-scoring games between Arkansas and Auburn, which is interesting because they have had such good pitching staffs uh, through the years. I think they did this last year, too. I think they had an injury that caused them to move one of their midweek guys to the weekend whenever Arkansas played them down there. And, of course, they played in the World Series, and before the game last weekend, that was the best outing Will McIntyre had ever had against Auburn last year in Omaha when he threw seven innings. I think he had nine strikeouts in that game, 98 pitches. Uh, how much do you think that translates from from one year to the next? I know like the, the lineup is a little bit different at Auburn this year, but for, for the hitters who have seen him and, and maybe vice versa, the hitters that he has seen, what, what's the what's the dynamic there when there's that familiarity? Yeah, there's really not. You're talking a year away. You're talking these guys are different. It's a different lineup. I mean, it, it, other than going back and looking at a video and saying, well, this is how he pitched me last year, there's really not much of an advantage to that. Last thing, Bubba, it's it's going to be cold this weekend. I mean, I think the forecast is calling for highs in the 40s all three games, and there's two night games. And so you're probably talking about Friday and Saturday night. You know, these, these guys playing in, gosh, probably mid to upper 30s. D- does that affect players? It does. It really does. I think it affects the the pitchers more. It's hard to get a grip on the ball. You're not allowed to use anything. Back in the day, you could put something on the ball to make you grip it a little bit better. But I know you look at like at Hagen Smith, uh, Hunter Holland, they both throw a split finger change. It's hard to get a feel for that split finger change when it's cold like that. Um, so I think it's going to affect the the pitching a little bit more so than the hitting. You know, it's supposed to be a north wind. The north wind is the thing that will get you. The temperature is going to be in the 40s. But it's, you know, what I saw showed a north wind of, like you know, 12, 15 miles an hour. That's going to make it feel way colder. So, uh, But once the juices get flowing, those guys get out there on the field, man, they're not going to be cold. I tell you who's going to be cold is the, the, are the fans. Hopefully the fans will show up and dress warm. But, uh, you know, once that game starts, man, as a player – you're you're fine. You, you don't even think about it. I think the, the hardest part is getting out there on the mountain and keeping that hand warm when you're pitching. Yeah. Last year on the, the first SEC weekend, NCAA basketball tournament interfered with the Saturday night game against Kentucky. I don't think it's going to be that way this year. If Arkansas beats uh, Illinois in the first round of the NCAA tournament, I think they would play probably Kansas earlier in the day on Saturday. And so there wouldn't be uh, quite that overlap that there was last year. I think that kept attendance down a little bit for that Kentucky series. Uh, but uh, if basketball doesn't keep them away, the weather might. It is going to be really, really cold uh, this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Razorbacks in Auburn, 6.30 Friday night will be their first pitch. Hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com throughout the weekend, also after the UNLV finale, to read all of our coverage of Razorback baseball. For Bubba Carpenter, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.